All right. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops. I'm your host. And uh, today I'm bringing you a, a special interview with my friend the, and the author, David Gogren. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Yeah, it's a, always a pleasure to chat with you. Um, your beard has gotten a little longer since the last time we, we had you on the show. Uh, it's looking very impressive, I must say. Yeah, can can you tell that I missed a couple of deadlines? Like, <laughs> I have this kind of superstition or tradition that I, I don't cut my beard until the book is done. And I thought this one was going to be done in October or November, and I kind of overshot the runway a little bit. Well, it looks good on you. Yeah, and the book is will be, be that much better as a result, right? Um, yeah, one, one, one hopes, one hopes. <laughs> Um, you have just launched a new book, which we are very excited to discuss today. Uh, that book then covers up on the, on the screen for people to watch, which is uh, BookBub Ads Expert, excellently displayed. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, why you decided to write this book? Why is the time that this was now, um, you know, you're on, on the front of your, your, your thoughts and why you wanted to put this out at this point? Well, the, the number one reason was there there wasn't any book out there on the topic. I think there's a couple out there covering Amazon ads and, and Facebook ads, and, and there was nothing nothing on the topic. And I've been using BookBub ads pretty successfully for the last couple of years, both for my own books, because I write fiction as well as nonfiction, and both for my own books and some authors that I was working with. And we're getting excellent results across a range of genres. But talking to a lot of people, they seem to be struggling with BookBub ads, and they seem to... They would try a couple of campaigns and they would lose money very quickly and it would and they wouldn't get many sales in return for that. So I thought there was an opportunity there to share some of the things that I've been learning. But also, um, I, I didn't really plan on writing a book, to be quite honest with you. Um, I had this uh, marketing newsletter that I send out every Friday to to a bunch of authors. And I started just doing a few episodes on BookBub ads and, and people seem to be really enjoying them. But after I wrapped that up, I think I'd done about eight episodes over the space of a few months. Um, I asked my list, you know, was, was there anything that I didn't cover in enough detail for you? Was there certain aspects you still don't understand about the platform? Or is there any uses that, you know, you are putting BookBub ads to that, that I didn't think of? And I got a flood of emails from people. So, you know, that ended up trying to cover all, all of that information ended up ended up being quite a detailed book. Hmm. And did you reach out to BookBub um, for feedback on this at any point during this process or did you sort of just rely on feedback from the actual users well yeah it would have been great to get bookbub to beta read it or something but um no the the bookbub guys are great at, at outreach in general you know they'll they're at, usually at most of the main writer events um they're they're quite open and approachable they're they're not like some of the larger retailers shall we say who kind of hide a little bit sometimes at the events they're very open um they will share all sorts of information about how the platform works they're very interested in getting feedback from authors and and tweaking things you know um and actually like listening to our feedback and trying to make the platform better for us so so it's great to have that channel uh, there but they also have a really cool blog the bookbub partners blog if you haven't checked that out there's a whole range of information and all sorts of marketing topics not just bookbub ads so there is a lot of information out there in the public domain once you know where it is and i was able to draw all that together but really like um the real the real knowledge comes from using the platform yourself and uh, everyone else can get the benefit of the, the thousands of dollars that I burned through uh, doing it all wrong and learning learning how the platform works because that's the thing about BookBub ads it can be it can be a really unforgiving platform 
And I think people find, you know, sometimes they start a campaign and they might put a hundred or two hundred dollars into it and the money disappears in a second. Mm-hmm. And because their ads weren't optimized, they didn't do enough testing. They didn't know how the platform works. They didn't get, they don't end up getting very many clicks or sales for that. But there's a flip side to that as well, which means um, Bookbub is the most responsive platform out there. Like nothing can scale like Bookbub in the speed that it can do it. So what that means in practical terms is, you know, now that I'm at the point, because I've done enough testing and um, that I have optimized ads, I have images that, that really my audience responds to. I know who my author targets are, the people I want to show uh, the audience that I want to show my ads to. So I get reliable results pretty much every time I use Bookbub. I know and, and, and like with all these tools at our disposal, like there's very little that's predictable, you know. So it's good to have something in the mix that you can actually rely on, that you know you can scale up quickly if you need to. Like if, if a launch is kind of going off the rails, you know, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a thousand reasons that can happen, especially with a, a any kind of involved marketing plan. Maybe your mailing list, you know, something goes wrong with one of your sends or or you were doing a swap with somebody and, and they had a family emergency or, you know, sometimes you have an emergency and you can't, you know, do various things. And your launch can go, kind of go off the rails. And it's great to have something like BookBub where you can just drop a couple of hundred dollars and scale up a campaign really, really fast, show it to 20 or 30,000 readers uh, that you know are are pretty responsive to your stuff and generate a lot of sales. Yeah, and that's that, that's valuable. Something we can talk about is like when to actually do this. Uh, we did have a comment. Doug Darrow says, uh, David, thank you for this book and for your others as well and the info you share on your blog and emails. Um, and I see Cecilia, you, Mecca, Cecilia Mecca is watching. Hi, Cecilia. Um, and I should say that I've listened to your talk at Book Book, or at, uh, at Novelist Inc. on this topic, and it was excellent. So I can speak from personal experience. I haven't had a chance to dive into the book yet, but I've heard a lot of this content, and I can um, speak to um, how well you presented it to us. And I'm, I'm excited to dive into the book and get into the weeds with it a little bit. But um, so maybe you can delve into a little bit more of what you're talking about as far as when BookBub. When when do you employ these ads to the most or the largest effect, and or what are the different strategies that you see people using when it comes to BookBub? Yeah, I have a pretty revolutionary taxonomy in the book where I say you can either use BookBub ads fast or slow, and what I mean by that is, and this often goes back to how you're distributing your books. If you're a wide author. Um, often you're engaging in kind of slower, more drip marketing campaigns where you're just seeking to find um, pockets of sales everywhere. And it's kind of this many rivers or many streams makes a mighty river kind of approach. Whereas if you're in KU, it's often very different. Often you're seeking a big burst of sales in a very limited window. It might be the seven days that you're running a countdown deal. It might be the five days that you're doing a free run or just just something like a launch. Um so there's, there, there are two totally different uses for any kind of ad platform, including, including BookBub. And you will approach the platform in a very different way. You'll set up your campaigns in a different way. You'll be bidding in a different way. So I think it's important to know, you know, what, what your goal is, what the end result is you're seeking to achieve, and then approach the campaign that way when you're setting it up. Okay. Um, we should, we should talk about, yeah, so there's the big difference, obviously, between the KU, like you said, the KU versus, versus the wide. Um, and also, this is actually a different sort of strategy. Do you feel like because this is an email marketing type strategy that it's different from the other types of advertising platforms? For example, if people that people that are seeing this are people that are shopping in their inboxes, not on Amazon, for example. Does that change the way you approach your ad copy and your images, things like that? 
It, it changes everything, in fact. And I think this is one of the reasons why people struggle with BookBub, um, because it's a very different platform from anything else, very different from Amazon ads, from Facebook, from Google AdWords, if you're familiar with that. Um, and, and the delivery method changes everything because these ads are primarily coming in by email and they're primarily coming in under a featured deals email. So the first thing you have to you have to realize is that if you're trying to sell a full price book, um, you're going to find it more difficult. It's not impossible. You can do it when you have you know, a bit of experience on the platform or if you have a long series and you're, you're relying on that kind of, kind of sell through. But in general, it's, it's pretty tough to make that work because if you think about it, a reader is going to be getting their daily email and it's going to have, you know, five, six, seven, eight different deals. They're all going to be free, 99 cent, 199. And some of them are from, from huge authors, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're going to come along an author who's probably unknown to that reader. And you're going to be looking for a four ninety nine, and so it is tougher. So, yeah. like, you know, you can you can advertise a full price book. I've done it before, and I will do it again. But in general, I like to keep those audiences for what BookBub is best at, which is selling huge volume of discounted books. And so you can kind of approach it backwards. Like, for example, if you've got a new book you're launching, and maybe you're launching at four ninety nine, you don't want to discount it. That's fine. You can run a you can run a deal on an earlier book in the series and and seek to achieve spillover that way. So that's why I put so much emphasis on on, on trying to kind of embrace the quirks of the platform and lean into the strengths rather than rowing against them. Like you can sell a full price book, but I think you get far better results selling and pushing a discount in in that space. And that's just that's just one of one of many you know things that being delivered by email like changes like the, the other one is serving this is a huge one i don't think i think it's one of these things we're subconsciously aware of but we don't really run down all the angles which is this is going out by email it's not like facebook where you're going to kind of get an, an even enough serve through through the evening and then it'll be slower you know at night time or whatever when people are asleep um it's an email so it the serving will tend to follow the same kind of open patterns you'll see on your mailing list where maybe in very rough terms Half of your list might open the email in the first hour. Half of the remainder might open it in the next hour. And then half of the remainder open it in the next hour. And it'll tail off very dramatically like that. So if you're, if you're running a big campaign on, on BookBub, that daily email goes out almost the same time every day. Like for Americans, it goes out, I think, between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. Eastern. So you, like if you've got a lot of budget in your BookBub campaign, that'll disappear in a second at that time of day. And whereas things will move a bit slower in the evening. And it's just something you need to be aware of. Like if, if you're, you know, if you're doing a limited time promotion, for example, you better have your campaign set up before nine, nine thirty in the morning. So that it's all ready to go when that big serving is going to happen or else you'll, or else you'll miss the boat for that day. You know, you'll, you'll miss a big chunk of the serving for that day. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about how we test this out in advance? Because obviously if you do have a big promo, you've, you've sunk all of your time and your money into this launch you've you know prepared to to all these other promoters and you know maybe book swaps like you said there could be a lot of things going on during this launch week um so now that is not necessarily the time you want to be testing this out for the first time what are some things we should be doing early on with our ads to test so that we know what works and what doesn't when we actually go to apply it for real yeah it, it is it is possible to test on the fly but it's really better to have all that squared away before any kind of big promotion starts like I like to I like to take testing reasonably slowly and make sure that I'm doing it right and make sure that um um I'm I'm sure about what I'm doing and not 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 cutting any corners. Um I think I spend about half of the book talking about how to test, talking about what makes a good ad, 
what, what those audiences respond to and, and how to get there with your own ads. And I think people might be surprised at the emphasis. And, um, but it's really, really important with BookBub that you do a lot of testing before you invest any, any real money. Because as I said, it's a super responsive platform. Your money can disappear in a second. So you've got it. You've got to limit it. So when I'm running these tests, like I might only have a campaign budget of 10 or $15 when I'm testing one particular author. So I know that if I'm totally wrong, um, in, in my assumption that that author is a good, good target for me, I'll only lose 10 or $15, you know, not, that's not going to put anyone out of business. Um, and then when you, when you do see that you're getting a good response, uh, and you're getting cheap clicks and, and they're converting into sales, you can turn up the budget easily. Um, but it's important to, to do that testing first because, um, uh, I haven't seen anybody yet who was rolled out their first campaign on BookBub and got good results. It's a pretty unforgiving platform. The margins between success and failure are very thin. But there, again, there's a flip side to that in that. Sometimes you just need one little tweak with your ad image, one little tweak with your targeting, and that'll turn a losing campaign into a winning one. So I like to get all that nailed down first. And then once I do, like that, this testing process, I'll be honest, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. But once you go through it once, you can rely on that, like, like you can rely on that for a couple of years. Um, you're all like a good author target for you on BookBub is not going to change. So, you know, if you, if you, discover that a certain author is a bad target for your ads, it's probably going to stay that way. If you discover someone's a good target for your ads, it's probably going to stay that way. I haven't really had to change up my targets except for maybe adding a couple of the new ones that I discovered. But in terms of the ones that I, in my first testing process, I haven't had to discard any yet. I think there was one person who was chasing BookBub followers very aggressively and he became kind of like not as a great a target because maybe he wasn't getting his true fans as, as followers and, on BookBub. But in general, like a good target will stay that way. So the testing process is a bit, bit of a pain. It takes a little bit of time and I'm, people will be anxious to jump ahead and start big campaigns. I'd say just be patient. It's really worth the time that you invest in it. And once you then have a solid list of authors that you can reliably target, you don't have to do that testing again. So just go through the process properly once and then, you know, then you're set up. Can you give people a couple just general tips in terms of like when it comes to finding an appropriate target author on BookBub, someone you want to target your ads towards or categories, for example, how many followers they should have? Uh, how many, how much is too much? How much is too little? Um, where, do, where are you seeing the most success there? And maybe what, what kind of bidding strategies do you think that, um, people should kind of look to fall into? Yeah. So like the, the, the first thing about comp authors, which I think authors need to wrap their head around is I think we often assume that it's meant in a kind of a, a stylistic or a literary sense. It's not at all. It's someone who you share an audience with. So it's not someone you write like. It's not someone with a similar voice or sentence constructions or anything else. It's just somebody you share an audience with. And that can be someone who writes, um, quite in quite a different style. So, so that's the way you have to look at it from a marketing perspective rather than a craft one. Um, and once you get beyond that, then I think that that frees people. So I think sometimes people are a bit blocked internally about, you know, being scared of saying that, you know, some big author might be a comp author of theirs. But if you just think of it in marketing sense, do I share an audience with that author? Mm. Then, you know, then that's a comp author. And in terms of discovering who good comp authors for you might might be, Amazon also bots are a great, a great source. Your readers often tell you, you know, I really enjoyed your book. And another one I enjoyed was this. So always listen to your readers. Um, your author page on Amazon has, you know, an even stronger set of also bots that are kind of aggregate also bots for your entire name. You'll get information from places like Facebook. And you'll just have a sense yourself just from knowing a little bit about your genre. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what I would do then is I would take all those potential comp authors, go to BookBub, and if you're in America, uh, you'll be seeing the latest version of the BookBub website. You'll see a slightly older version outside of America. But in America, you, there's some great information on the site itself. You can search for any potential authors. They'll tell you how many followers they have. Generally, I stay away from the bigger guys and the smaller guys. So if someone has less than 500 followers, it's probably not worth targeting. Unless you're writing super niche stuff, then you might need to to go for a, a bunch of these guys together. And then generally, I, I kind of struggle, like maybe someone else has cracked this, but I haven't been able to crack it. Um, authors with really large followings, like over 20,000. There's very few indies will be in that bracket. That's mostly the bigger trad authors. They'll be ending up to half a million followers. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had any success targeting those guys. Even, even when, you know, a giant trad author might be an excellent comp author on AMS or on Facebook, it doesn't necessarily mean they will be on BookBub. BookBub is kind of unique. You have to find, um, author targets or comp authors that are native to BookBub. And you have to remember that the world of BookBub is, doesn't always map reality perfectly. It, Someone, the amount of, of following someone has on BookBub is entirely dependent on how much they've played in the BookBub sandpit. So how many ads they have run, how many featured deals they have run. And that can mean sometimes, you know, like we all know that BookBub doesn't give featured deals regularly to KU authors. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they kind of find, have a harder time in getting them. So you'll often see, uh, especially in certain niches that are dominated by KU, where most of the big authors seem to have you know, I, I was looking at one the other day who's definitely sold like over a million books and he only has a few hundred followers on BookBub. Mm. So he's not going to be a very useful target for you. Um, but that can that can go in the other direction as well. Sometimes there'll be a smaller indie who will have had a lot of featured deals for whatever reason. Maybe they've been wide the whole time um, and they've just write the kind of books that appeal to the editors of BookBub. Or maybe they've advertised a lot on BookBub. Those two things will boost your follower account a lot, especially mm. having featured deals. Um, so sometimes somebody you might have dismissed as not a very profitable target on Facebook can be an extremely profitable one on BookBub. So I would look to the amount of followers they have. And actually, they've just changed the ad inter- interface a little bit on the author side to make this a little bit easier for you. Because I think sometimes people assume that if someone has 5,000 followers, they're the only people that are going to see your ad. They actually show the ad to not just all the followers of a given author, but anyone who's ever interacted with that author's books on the platform as well. So your, your ad will get shown to all the followers, anyone that's ever clicked on your featured deals, anyone that's ever clicked on your ads as well. So sometimes that can have, you know, that can be a, a dramatic difference. Like there's one of my own followers or sorry, one of my own target authors. He's just over 500 followers. So you might be thinking, like, is it worth targeting this guy? But if you put him into the ad creation interface, he actually pops up with something like 15,000 readers, the book won't call it, that your ad could potentially be shown to because he just had a featured deal recently. So that obviously boosted the amount of people that have interacted with his ads on the platform or his books on the platform. So keep an eye on all that stuff. Um, I generally find that's the sweet spot between 500 followers and 20,000. And even, you know, if, if, you're, if that's leaving too many authors and you want to narrow it in a bit, I generally find the most profitable targets for me are between five and 10,000 followers. That seems to be the sweet spot. That's not to say that you won't have, um, you know, a solid gold comp author who is 25,000 or 18,000 or, or 2,000. And, you know, it might work for you. I, I'm a great believer in testing all these things and seeing what works. Um, but I generally find that's where the sweet spot is for me, between five and 10,000. Do you tend to clump these together? So say, for example, you have a five or 10,000 author. Do you clump that together with other five or 10,000 10, authors? Or do you test those guys individually? 
Um, during the testing phase, I will test everything individually because I want to get the cleanest read possible on whether that's a strong comp author for me. Because often I will have like a, a set of like gold comp authors and like they're the ones that I can really rely on. They're the ones I know I'm going to get good CTR on those ads. My clicks are going to be cheap. They're going to convert well. And I'll use them in nearly every campaign that I'm running BookBub ads. And then I might have a pile of kind of silver comp authors. And they're the ones that are, you know, not quite as good results, but not terrible. And maybe I might use them for a more aggressive campaign, like if I'm doing a big launch or something. But they're kind of more in the maybe pile. And then after that, you know, I, I, some people might have like a list of bronze authors or tier three authors. But I find if you're, if you're going that far down the list, you're probably better off moving that money across to, to Facebook or Amazon. I think there's, I think there is enough authors on the platform and enough potential exposure that you can, you can develop a list of, of gold authors. And I will, when I'm running a proper campaign, I will put all my best authors together in one group because otherwise you're going to get some overlap, right? Mm. Because I think the BookBub system will show your ad to four people or sorry, to each person four times. Mm. Okay. But if you start a fresh campaign, that clock on that resets. So if I ran one campaign to my target authors, and then I just created a whole new campaign. It would start showing my ad to the same people again. And while that might be fine, sometimes you don't want to have 10 campaigns running to your 10, you know, target authors because you're going to get a lot of overlap. That's going to affect the performance of your ads. And because I generally prefer to do CPM bidding rather than CPC bidding, I'm paying for impressions rather than clicks. So I, I need a good um, CTR on those ads to make them profitable. And I, I know I do tend to see the same ads over and over again when I'm actually looking through my actual BookBub emails when I open them. Like you keep getting the same one repeatedly for days. Or um, Interestingly enough, recently I've been getting ads for other things that aren't books like shoes and furniture. Like I'm getting other things filling that ad space, which I don't know how that's working or why BookBub would be allowing that. But I feel like we're competing enough as it is for ad space with other book authors. I don't know why I'm suddenly seeing shoe ads in there. I think that might be because you're you're logged out of the site or something like that. that I see those ads when, on the on the web because they they're doing some ads on the website now, and I see those ads on the website for other products when I'm not logged in um, as myself if I'm just viewing as an outsider. Mm-hmm. So when I'm logged into the account, they change to ads. So they there must be some reason why they're not able to get a read on who you are because that's usually the filler they put in when they can't. And when they don't know who it is they're showing an ad to, if you know what I mean. Oh, interesting. So maybe it's I'm opening up the email in a preview setting or something like that, as opposed to actually being logged into the email or something like that. Yeah, it could be could be something like that. Yeah, you're you're, you're blocking their tracking somehow. Interesting. Uh, we've got some other um, fun authors watching. Some previous guests of the show: Dan Wood is watching, Christina Benjamin is watching, Todd Hodges. Um, so hi guys, thanks thanks for saying hi to to David. If you have questions for David, and you want to uh, ask specific things that I haven't asked yet, or um, anything you want to ask, feel free to throw it up in the comments and I'll make sure to ask your question to David. Um, well, we've got the, the source of all of all of the knowledge right here in front of us. So, um, Can we talk a little bit about ads themselves as far as um, your creative images and your text that you're using, what, what you have found is, is making for a good ad these days? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've done a lot of testing on this and there's obviously, you know, with any kind of visual, there's going to be some genre variants, like an ad that appeals to um, an, a fan of contemporary romance is going to look very different to an ad which appeals to a reader of military science fiction. Mm-hmm. OK, so that's that, that's pretty obvious. But there, there's underlying principles that will apply to all genres. Um, I generally find that, you know, using the book cover is a must. Um, I think there's been a trend recently 
um, with Facebook ads, I think, where people are saying not to use the book cover. I actually disagree with that on Facebook, and I most certainly disagree with that on BookBub. I think your cover is really what's going to sell the book, you know, assuming that you do have a nice cover. Um, you know, that will communicate to the reader in two seconds which, which, so what kind of book it is. That is the kind of book that appeals to them. So you need that front and center, and I will, I will make that book as big as possible in that, because it is quite a small square that we get. It's 300 pixels by 250 pixels. So it's considerably smaller than a Facebook ad. So I think, you know, it's definitely not a room. It's definitely not a space to be, to be subtle or demure. Um, I often take what you might consider quite a crude approach in that I will, I will make the book cover as big as possible and I will just slap a price tag beside it. And that's it. And I will make that price tag almost obnoxiously large because that's what works. Um, sometimes I'll have a button there. Maybe if it's a freebie, I might have a, you know, a red button with free on it. Um, if the book has a very strong tagline, especially if it's a genre like, like, I don't know, like, like chiclet or something where the, the, or urban fantasy where it might be a, um, a first person narrative with a really, really strong voice. And you might have a tagline in that voice, something that really sells the book. Then I, then I might recommend putting a tagline in. Um, but generally I think price and cover and then the background. I generally just use something relating to the cover art. Sometimes the cover art itself, or sometimes you pull out an element of it, but you don't want, you don't want the background, um, drawing the eye. What's, what you want to draw the eye to is the price, especially if it's a discount and the cover, because that's what will sell the book. Interesting. I know I've taken to, uh, reusing my BookBub ads when I do make them, I actually use them in my own newsletter and found that that it's kind of a good way to test them out and actually, um, more people click on an image, of course, than they would if they just had the link. I have the link to the exact same book right below, but more people are clicking on the actual picture. So if you can yeah. test out making yourself some pretty ads, go ahead and use them in your own newsletter as well um, yeah. to sell more books. And uh, that was just something that I, I was happy to find. Uh, so all this, even though even if my BookBub campaign didn't go well, at least I, I didn't feel like making all that creative content was wasted. I um do you, do you make all your ads yourself in, in Canva or something? I have been using your strategy, um, at least since, since Nink of, you know, zooming into some element of my cover and then plastering my cover over top of it and then adding my, my text and a button. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just basically doing exactly what you tell me to do, David. If you tell me to do something <laughs> different, I'll do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've, I've been, I've been testing with that a little bit. And I have I write very infrequently. I launch very infrequently, so I haven't had a good good launch in a while. But um, next launch, I will definitely be using this. Excellent. I should mention actually that um, I have a I, I built a little resource on 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 my website for all the purchasers of the book, and I think it's pretty cool. Um, it actually started from because I knew there was going to be a lot of questions about images because that's a, another area where people kind of run into issues, and it's it's very difficult to. Um, it, it's difficult to talk about images in any great detail without actually showing them in the book. Mm -hmm. You can talk about general principles, but I think it's very helpful to people to actually see flesh and blood examples, mm -hmm. and especially in, in, in a range of different genres. And you, as you might know, including images in an ebook, like it starts to bloat the file, your delivery fees go through the roof, it starts to eat away at your royalties, and then all of a sudden you're living in a basement eating noodles. Um, <laughs> and no, nobody wants that, right? Yeah. Uh, those days are over. But, um, so I built a gallery of winning BookBub ad images. Some of them were ones that I commissioned from designers. Some of them were the ones I designed myself because I've gotten pretty nifty at Canva now. Um, others were ones that I just saw on the BookBub blog or in my own emails every day. And they cover a whole range of genres. 
And so I put them up on my website and, and then I was like, okay, well, if I'm building this, this resource, I might as well add some more stuff to it. So I put some detailed optimization advice with some screenshots of actual results so you can see what to aim for. Um, I put like links to case studies on the BookBub blog because they've got loads of cool info there. Um, and there's a whole bunch of stuff like some up to date information on the also bought situation at Amazon because I think some people were freaking out. I think it was like the day I released the book because I talk a lot in the book about, you know, look at your also bots. That's a great source of comp authors. Yeah. And the day I released the book, Amazon got rid of the Altabots again, and, you know, <laughs> doing, doing some of the spit testing. So I was getting loads of emails yeah. and I was like, oh, right, I better stick something up on the website about this. Yeah. So if you do buy the book, there's, there's a link inside the book. Um, it's, it's repeated several times throughout the text. It's, I think it's mentioned in, in, in just a few chapters in. There's, there's a link to the resource page on my website. And it's just for purchasers of the book. You can't navigate there um, generally from my website. So I'm going to eventually open up a space there um, because I don't really want to start a Facebook group, so but I was thinking of something a bit more private. Um, so the, just like the comment section on that page on my website where people can, you know, ask questions um, and, and seek help, and, and a few of us will probably pitch in and give some advice on your ads. Yeah, I'm excited to check that out. I, I've, I've purchased the book myself, and I'm looking forward to diving into it and, and seeing all the extra bonus goodies there. Uh, we had a question cool. from Patrick O'Donnell. He asks, uh, what are the best ads for nonfiction? Well, I think that the, the principles are, are, are the same. Um, I certainly uh, have run a lot of nonfiction ads myself. Um, it really depends what kind of nonfiction because it's such a broad church. But generally, um, I, w- I would stick to the approach of, you know, maximizing the book cover as much as possible. Um, you have to be a bit careful with the backgrounds for nonfiction. Sometimes, you know, it, they can, they won't be as, um, there won't be as much kind of variance in the cover. You can, you can have a little problem with it kind of blending into the background. So sometimes you, you just need to be a bit artful about that. But if, if Canva isn't something that you're proficient with, you can, you can hire out this job to a designer for 20 or $30. You can get a good Facebook and BookBub ad made. Um, even when you're getting your cover made, your designer will often bundle those with the cover. I just, I just order my ads with, with the covers now these days. Mm. Um, but yeah, for nonfiction, um, I would, if you're discounting it, um, definitely focus on the price because it's, it is quite a price sensitive audience. Um, if it's the kind of nonfiction where like a lot of nonfiction where you're solving a problem, um, a tagline probably will work well there. Um, because you're trying to speak directly to people with that problem. Um, but in general, the, the principles for advertising fiction and nonfiction don't really vary that much. I, I, I tease out some of the differences in the book, but they're, they're, they're really not that, that different to advertise. Interesting. What do you uh, expect as a, a good click-through rate for a book bulb ad? Um, it depends. Um, if you're advertising a 99-cent book, for example, I'd like to see 2% or more. Um, generally, it Again, this this depends whether I'm doing a giant big campaign to promote a launch or, or whether I'm pushing a perma-free kind of more slowly. But let, let's say it's a giant big campaign to support a launch. Um, generally, I'm bidding a little bit higher there. So I find that, you know, a CTO of 2% will be delivering the clicks cheaply enough for me. That usually means they're going to come in at 40 cents or less. But I, I like to... You know, that doesn't leave me a lot of room, though, to scale the campaign. So I'd really want to be seeing 3% maybe. And that, that'll that give me enough confidence that I'm going to be able to scale this campaign and, you know, to deliver 20, 30, 40,000 impressions and make, you know, a real impact on, on the sales side of things. Um, if you're advertising a freebie, you you might want a slightly higher CTR. If it's a higher price book, you're, you're going to tolerate a lower CTR because you're going to be making more per sale. Um but that's for Amazon.com, and this is a really important distinction. Um, 
I recommend doing all your testing on Amazon.com because it's the hardest advertising venue. It's the most saturated market with the most competition. The bids needed to get your ads to show are, are going to need to be higher. Um, and the CTRs for your ads will just be lower because I think the, the readers are more jaded. Um, a 99 cent deal or a free book is less attractive to an Amazon.com customer than it is maybe to a Kobo Canada customer where books are more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so do all your testing on Amazon.com. And once you're hitting that 2% or higher CTR, you can roll that out everywhere. You know, if you're wide, you can roll it out to all the retailers. If you're, if you're not, you can roll it out to all the international Amazon stores and you will get even better results in those other markets. So an ad that's delivering 2% CTR on Amazon.com might deliver four or 5% CTR at Kobo, at least for a little while until you, you run out of audience there because the audiences there are more limited. So just don't make the mistake of doing your testing on Apple Australia or something like that because you'll yeah. you'll get 4 or 5% CTR because it's such a deal-hungry audience and it's mm-hmm. not particularly served very well. And it might lead you to think that a, a middling ad is a winner because when you start scaling it up on Amazon and you start showing it to thousands of people, that will magnify any flaws in your image or targeting that you really should have ironed out in the in the testing process. Hmm, that's that's important to to know. Um, as far as killing your ad, any suggestions on on when to absolutely kill this thing, or how when you should how long you should wait? For yeah, well, my my general rule of thumb is when when the CTR starts to dip below two percent, the clicks are probably getting too expensive for me. But you know that's going to be a moving target for a lot of people. Like if you're advertising a standalone or just like a two book or a three book series, you know. A sale is worth less to you than it is if it's a 20 book series or a 10 book series where you've got a significant amount of sell through or maybe a lot of spin off series that you know you're going to be able to push the reader into. So, mm-hmm. you know, each author will know their kind of tolerance level for click costs generally. And that is something you can translate from, from Amazon or Facebook. So if you're generally comfortable paying 50 cent a click on Facebook, that can be your watermark on BookBub too. In fact, I, I actually find that BookBub ads convert a, quite a good deal better than Facebook or Amazon ads. So you might be able to push the boat out a little bit more on BookBub than you do on other platforms. So if you tolerate, I don't know, 45 cent, 55 cent on AMS or Facebook, you can probably push the boat out another 10 cent on BookBub and you'll make it up on the on the back end in terms of conversion. Hmm. As far as BookBub overall as a platform, um, any tips on where you see this going they're obviously working very hard to grow this platform kind of make it the new goodreads or you know where do you see bookbub going overall and why should authors be paying attention to bookbub yeah well the one interesting thing that's that that is um it's become quite clear over the last uh, year or so especially is they're kind of pivoting from being an email focused company where they just deliver deals to your inbox every day mm-hmm to being a website-based one as well. So they're introducing a lot of social aspects on the site where authors can recommend books and readers can recommend books and can review books. Um, and you can follow, you know, you can follow your favorite authors. And they're just building out more and more, like they have a reader blog as well. And they're, they're generally kind of building it into a kind of 24, 21st century Goodreads. And the reason why that's exciting uh, to me anyway is, you know, the problem with Goodreads, like Goodreads has a bigger audience. It has tens of millions of people that use the site. But advertising on Goodreads never really worked. Mm-hmm. I think readers were generally quite hostile towards ads and not very responsive to them because it wasn't really baked into the site and, and it kind of ran counter to the kind of community ethos they had there. 
But with BookBub, advertising and deals especially have been built into the fabric of the site from the start. So I think that's part of the reason why customers are are not hostile towards ads and deals. Like that's what they originally came there for. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be very exciting if they can keep um, growing um, the site and growing the traffic. Like all of that will like the more alerts that people are signed up to, like, you know, if they're following more authors that that will increase the amount of emails. And I think we've actually seen that over the last year, the amount of emails being sent out by BookBub has, in, has increased quite a bit because, you know, they have different products now. They, they have pre-order alerts. They have new release featured deals. They have new release alerts. But then also they have people recommending and reviewing books. And all of these, all this site-based activity generates more emails out to their customers, which increases the potential reach for us as advertisers. And, like, just to put a, a dollar number on it, um, I'd say a year, 18 months ago, you know, a really good BookBub campaign for me, I could spend maybe 300, 400, $500 tops and, and the wheels would start coming off in terms of click costs getting too, too big. Um, these days I can, I can probably run my ads. I, I probably spend three or four times as much on the platform before things start to wobble and, mm-hmm. and get a good return for that. So mm-hmm. it, it has changed from being a platform, which was a nice add on to something which is a central driver now for, for all campaigns for me. Like for me, sometimes, um, it'll be driving more sales than, than, than Facebook. Um, and it's a lot easier to manage. I find, I think Facebook was spending more and more time setting up the same campaigns because there's just so much options and customization and micromanagement needed. Whereas with BookBub, I can set up several campaigns very, very quickly and it just doesn't take such a bite out of my day. Yeah. Do you see any threat of, sort of a bubble bursting in terms of inbox fatigue where BookBub, if they're, you know, they're sending out multiple emails a day now to the same individuals where you, you're starting to see kind of the users burn out or also any concerns about like, well, how, just how many deals does one person need in a, in a given day or anything like that? I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's, there's um, a smart person working at BookBub whose, whose job pretty much solely involves testing where the threshold is on that. You know, they're pretty yeah. smart folks and they're, they're very data driven. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's, that's a huge concern internally and making sure, you know, cause they don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to kill the golden goose either. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the feature deals is something that is central to the company and works really well for them. So, you know, everyone has their tolerance threshold with, with emails and, and I'm sure they're going to be, you know, looking at how many they're sending and trying to keep on the right side of that line. Um, but, you know, what they're what they're clearly trying to do, because, you know, we saw BookBub grow at such a spectacular rate for several years. And then some of the, the size of some of the lists, it seemed to like kind of plateau a little bit when you're like, it's a pretty amazing plateau when there's three million people on the on the thrillers list or something like that, you know. Yeah. Um, but obviously they're going to get to the point and they're probably at that point now where further growth is quite difficult in terms of growing those email lists. So they probably have to get quite a lot of signups every day just to, just to cover natural wastage, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so moving to site-based activity was definitely the smart move and they're, and they're not in any rush, you know, they just adding one component and adding another um, and they seem to be testing everything as they go along. So I'd have faith that they're going to get it right. Um, but also like the, the thing about adding site-based activity, it's not just about the emails that it generates. There, there's more people going to their website and more people spending time on their website and they're trying to make the website more sticky. So it's not just something that you, you, you log in, you see there's two or three deals and then you leave and you go to Amazon. They're trying to keep yeah. people on the site. So that's another canvas for us for, our, for another, another placement for our ads. Now, 
Um, I should point out that I don't think the website ads are working quite as well as the email ads at the moment. Um, I think they're, they, they only just finished beta testing them, I think, at the end of the year. I think, like, I've seen some improvement now in the last couple of months, but at the start there was, you know, I think the ads were serving a little bit too much. There was, I, I've seen genres that I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not subscribed to. But though, again, I can see big improvements being made there over the last couple of months. So I think, you know, as the site traffic grows, again, that increases the potential reach of the platform and just means that, you know, a, a big campaign on Bookbub will be able to deliver more and more sales. And, and this is, you know, we're, we're, we're always looking for more uh, promotional opportunities. Yeah, and I think it probably bodes well for the readers who sh- the quality of the readers, I guess, showing up there. Um, if they're coming there because it's a book-related site, not just because it's a deal-related site, um, in terms of like people that are buying not just bargain books, but the rest of your series. Yeah, yeah, and I, that's a good point actually. I hadn't considered that, but that fits in with a kind of a general. Uh, approach they're taking at the moment you can see the deals in your own daily newsletter the price of those have been creeping up there's less freebies less 99 cent books and there are more 199 ones and sometimes the, the really big household name authors the deals are 299 which which is which is good for us on on a lot of levels i think you know um firstly it means that if we're actually running a 99 cent deal that means we're we're even undercutting the the newsletter, which is great. It's very it means mm-hmm. that ninety nine cent is very effective and and freebies. But also generally um, cultivating a less price sensitive audience is something you know that that is welcome for a bunch of reasons. It means that we can run sales and get an impact out of them, but also that we can promote higher price books and still you know get reasonable results out of it. And they are they are going that way. Like you see the the new release featured deals. They're not they're not discounts necessarily. Some of them are, but some of them are. Seven ninety nine. Some of them, some of them are nine ninety nine. So um, I don't think that newsletter has taken off quite to the extent that the featured deals one has yet. But again, you know, they're smart. They're smart people. They probably get it right. You know. Have you seen a significant difference between? I know you've worked with multiple authors as well as you know, your own books. Uh, as far as those authors who typically traditionally price their books at you know six ninety nine, seven ninety nine, dropping it to a, a having a, an ad for a nine nine cent book versus the person who's already at three ninety nine, four ninety nine, and they're only discounting at ninety nine cents. Like, are you seeing a big difference in terms of regular pricing to deal pricing as far as how effective the ads um, are? Well, I don't think it matters because I think you know a, a ninety nine cent book is a draw on its own. I don't think a reader really cares if they're saving three dollars, four dollars, or six dollars. I don't think mm-hmm. that matters. And I, I've tested this a bunch of times, like. You know, where you put in as the as the hook or the offer in the ad, like 70 percent off or is it better to stress 99 cent or is it better to stress, save four dollars? And generally, I find 99 cent is such a strong hook that, you know, anything else is kind of um, diluting that and just not as effective. And actually, this is going back to the ad image and what makes an effective one, I think. You know, when we're advertising on Amazon, we have no choice about what the image is. It's just our book cover. Mm-hmm. When we're advertising on Facebook, we have a bit more control, but they have, you know, a text rule where if there's more than 20% text in the image, our ad can be throttled or it can even be rejected. Mm-hmm. And then there's no such restrictions on BookBub, but I think that people get a bit, um, they get a bit drunk on, on the idea of this freedom and they go completely crazy and they slather their ad and, and you know, they have a tagline, they have a review quote, they have uh, the price tag, they have the percentage yeah. off and the big sale banner and they, it's just overkill. You know, this is a yeah. small little canvas that we have. And, you know, I think, you know, if you, it's quite, it, it's quite illustrative to, to actually reduce your ad image down to the size that people will see it at in their email. Like 300 pixels by 250 is, is not very big. 
So I think, you know, just keep it to a minimum. I like definitely have the price tag or if, you know, if it's not, if it's not a discounted book, maybe, you know, stress that it's new or it's a new release or something like that. Um, I would put a maybe on the tagline and, and like test a version without it. It might do better. Um, I often find that it does. I definitely wouldn't put in more than a price and a tagline. And so if you really want to put in social proof, let's say you're an author who's sold 5 million books, you know, that's a, that's, that's a pretty, um, pretty effective bit of social proof. Then put that in instead of the tagline, not as well. You know, don't, mm. don't overload the ad. I, I, I keep them quite simple. That's, that's good advice. It's good to know. Yeah. And I think that people only looking at this ad for seconds before they decide whether or not they're going to you know, click on right. it or not. So if they've got to be able to process all that information that much faster. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not like, you know, like people talk about, you know, the seven touch points that any marketing campaign has to have, which, mm. um, I remember Ed Robertson wrote a blog post kind of debunking this as it's a bit of a myth that's just been handed down from generation to generation in, in marketing circles. There's never been actually any study done on it. So it could be, it could be true, but it might not be true. But even if it is true, you know, this isn't, this isn't a yacht that someone's buying. I don't think they need like seven, seven, you know, need to consider the purchase seven times. It's a 99 cent book. If you can't, yeah. if you can't, if you can't close that sale in one or two conversations, then I don't think they're going to buy it, you know? Yeah. I've been sort of testing that myself. I've been looking at all these different, you know, bookbub emails. And of course, I, I frequently get the same ad at the bottom of all the emails um, for mm -hmm. a particular day. And it's like, if I it, if it didn't want it the first time I saw it, I still don't want it the third or fourth time I saw it. I, it hasn't really changed. I'm like, oh, there's that ad for that book that I still don't want. So yeah, that's, that, that, that's one <clears> thing about the bookbub system um, that I hope they improve, actually. Um, and I've, I've, I've suggested that to them. And they're actually, they're amazing with feedback. Like, I know a bunch of authors have suggested features to them and they incorporate them in, in the platform. So that's really cool. Because uh, we don't get that kind of um, influence at, at Amazon or, or, or Facebook, certainly. Um, but yeah, so like I was suggesting to them, because I was seeing a few ads repeating, this, this phenomenon, what you're speaking about, um, is quite obvious when you go to the website and you just click through the various categories. You'll see the same ads repeated, like, and just right after each other. Mm -hmm. um, while I'm fine with my ad showing four times to any given reader, I'm definitely fine with that. Sometimes I'll even rerun a campaign um, because most readers won't even scroll all the way down. You know, right. they'll just see the first three deals and they might buy the Jack Reacher book and then they might go on to their next email. But that will show as an impression because it's it's the same as an open on an email. It's tracked by a, by a pixel firing. So even though they didn't literally see your ad, it'll, it'll show up in your dashboard as an impression and one that didn't convert. Mm -hmm. Um but on the website, like, okay, let, let me give you an example of Facebook because they handle this differently. They won't show the same ad to the same user. I think, I think they put in a gap of two hours. I might be slightly off on that, but it's certainly, it's at least half an hour and it's something up to two hours. But in practice, it, it's usually a lot longer than that. So I think it would be great if BookBub built in a little delay like that. I will not serve that ad to the same person within the next half an hour or hour. And I yeah. think that will, that will iron out some of those problems. But you know, like, this ad platform is still pretty new. Like it's only a few years old and certainly it's only out of beta about a year and the website ads are only out of beta um, a couple of months. So I think it's okay. going to improve. We, we've seen quite a few improvements already and, you know, I can see a few ways that they might develop it, which are, which are quite interesting. Like I think I was saying earlier that it's very difficult to target those big trad authors. If they could give us, um, I don't want them to make the interface too much more, 
uh, complicated than it is. It's pretty simple at the moment and it's pretty easy to use. But if they give us some other way of slicing and dicing the audience of those huge authors, like those authors with 100,000 followers, if you run an ad to them, you'll probably get a CTR of 0.2%. Your clicks are going to be costing 3 or $4. Nobody can make that work. Right. So there's a whole big segment of the market there that we can't really advertise to effectively because those audiences are just too broad. So if there's some way we can dig into that audience or, or excavate um, the most responsive readers out of that audience, that would be incredibly valuable to us. Yeah. Well, David, um, we've gone well past our, our half hour as, as expected. I can always chat with you all day and I'm sure and we've got a lot of people watching and I know that um, they're getting a lot out of this as well. So, um, but Thank you, first off, from all of us in the author community for writing this book. I'm really happy that someone has taken it upon themselves to deep dive into this topic and kind of excavate the good stuff for us and, and share your your experience and your your knowledge. So um, I'm excited to finish reading the book. You know, thank, where can people find more information about about your blog post about this, your your book, and and you in particular? Well, uh, the first resource I'd recommend isn't isn't one of mine. It, the BookBub Partners blog really is excellent, and they've got lots of detailed information there about ads, and not just ads, but and not just their own products, but just general marketing strategies. And it's not just um, the BookBub staff that are writing those. They they have some great guest posts. Like there's there's one I read a while ago from Cheryl Bradshaw, which was amazing, and, and it broke down how she did her whole USA Today bestseller list run. So check out that check out that blog for sure. My own website, davidgochran.com. Um, I got tons of articles again on covering all marketing topics. Um, I have a few on BookBub ads, and then of course there's the the book yourself, uh, the book itself, which you can which you can check out, and that's available at all retailers. Okay. All right. Well, fantastic. So um, yeah, like I said, thank you very much for taking the time out of your your busy day to come join us. Um, it's I know it's tonight over there, but uh, yeah, in Ireland. But um, are you in? Are you you're not still in Prague? Are you where are you now? No, I'm in Dublin now. Yeah, I moved Dublin, back here a right. couple of years ago. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, well, thank you for, for joining us all the way from Dublin. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to be here and share all this with us. Well, thanks for having me back. Yeah, and thanks, everyone, for watching. Um, I appreciate you. If you've listened to the to the uh, podcast, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes and or share this uh, podcast or show with, with a friend. If you've been enjoying these episodes, uh, we always appreciate it if you let someone else know. So thanks again for everyone uh, watching. Thank you, David. And we'll see you all again next week.